And now, Horror Stories Podcast. Hello, this podcast is home to the most special audience in all of podcasting. I'm grateful that you are here. I'm Robert Crandall, and I'm not a robot. I'm flesh and blood human being. Yes, and I read fiction horror stories. I also read listener nightmares, so be sure to send yours in to myhorribledream at gmail.com, and we read it on the air. We'd love to do that. And that brings me to my horrible dream. I've been getting dreams lately, short ones. This was just a few nights ago. As you know, I have leukemia. Sometimes leukemia will leave marks on your skin that resemble a bruise. And also hot flashes. I've had about four of them. But the other night, I had a dream, or a nightmare is far more appropriate than an understatement as well. I dreamt that I had a large, by that I mean about five-inch diameter bruise on my right thigh. That is the bruise or the mark caused by leukemia. A very dark red with black veins running through it. And other smaller ones as well, with little black veins and dots in them. And the blood vessel that runs up the thigh was black and bulging. This was perhaps the most grotesque, vivid, and lucid image I have ever seen in a dream. I woke up consumed with terror and dread, fright, like never, never before. I was so shaken. I checked my thigh, and much to my relief, it was just fine. I couldn't believe it was a dream. It seemed so real. I fell back on my pillow in much relief. The image is still very clear in my mind. It just happened a couple of nights ago before uh, this recording. And uh, (laughs) when I think about it, it still is very disturbing. So hopefully everything is all right with you. And hopefully this repugnant picture in my mind will fade soon. And uh, I hope you are well. And I hope you are well enough and ready for a creepy story. In this story, a man takes a shortcut through the forest at night. No, not a good idea. I hope you enjoy In the Forest of Villa Fair by Robert E. Howard. sun had set. The great shadows came striding over the forest. In the weird twilight of a late summer day, 
I saw the path ahead glide on among the mighty trees and disappear, and I shuddered and glanced fearfully over my shoulder. Miles behind lay the nearest village. Miles ahead lay the next. I looked to the left and to the right as I strode on, and Anon I looked behind me, and Anon I stopped short, grasping my rapier as a breaking twig betokened the going of some small beast. Or was it a beast? But the path led on, and I followed, because, forsooth, I had naught else to do. As I went, I bethought me, my own thoughts will rout me, if I be not aware. What is there in this forest, except perhaps the creatures that roam it, deer and the like? Tush the foolish legends of those villagers. And so I went, and the twilight faded into dusk. Stars began to blink, and the leaves of the trees murmured in the faint breeze. And then I stopped short, my sword leaping to my hand, for just ahead around a curve of the path someone was singing, the words I cannot distinguish. But the accent was strange, almost barbaric. I stepped behind a great tree, and the cold sweat beaded my forehead. Then the singer came in sight, a tall, thin man, vague in the twilight. I shrugged my shoulders, a man I did not fear. I sprang out, my point raised. Stand! He showed no surprise. I pretty handle thy blade with care, friend, he said. Somewhat ashamed, I lowered my sword. I'm new to this forest, I quoth apologetically. I heard talk of bandits. I crave pardon. Where lies the road to Villafair? Carbleu, you've missed it, he answered. You should have branched off to the right some distance back. I'm going there myself. If you may abide my company, I will direct you. I hesitated. Yet why should I hesitate? Why, certainly, my name is de Montour of Normandy, and I am Carlos de Lue. No! I started back. He looked at me in astonishment. Pardon, said I. The name is strange. Does not Lue mean wolf? My family were always great hunters, he answered. He did not offer his hand. You will pardon my staring, said I as we walked down the path. But I can hardly see your face in the dusk. I sensed that he was laughing, though he made no sound. It's little to look upon, he answered. I stepped closer and then leaped away, my hair bristling. A mask, I exclaimed. Why do you wear a mask, monsieur? It is a vow, he exclaimed. In fleeing a pack of hounds, I vowed that if I escaped, I would wear a mask for a certain time. Hounds, monsieur? Wolves, he answered quickly. I said wolves. We walked in silence for a while, and then my companion said, I am surprised that you walk these woods at night. Few people come these ways even in the day.
I am in haste to reach the border, I answered. A treaty has been signed with the English, and the Duke of Burgundy should know of it. The people at the village sought to dissuade me. They spoke of a wolf that purported to roam these woods. Here the path branches to Villefaire, said he, and I saw a narrow crooked path that I had not seen when I passed it before. It led in amid the darkness of the trees. I shuddered. You wish to return to the village? No, I exclaimed. No, no, lead on. So narrow was the path that we walked single file, he leading. I looked well at him. He was taller, much taller than I, and thin and wiry. He was dressed in a costume that smacked of Spain. A long rapier swung at his hip. He walked with long, easy strides, noiselessly. Then he began to talk of travel and adventure. He spoke of many lands and seas that he had seen and many strange things. So we talked and went farther and farther into the forest. I presumed that he was French, and yet he had a very strange accent. It was neither French nor Spanish nor English not like any language I had ever heard. Some words he slurred strangely, and some he could not pronounce at all. The path is often used, is it? I asked. Not by many, he answered and laughed silently. I shuddered. It was very dark, and the leaves whispered together among the branches. A fiend haunts this forest, I said. So the peasants say, he answered, but I have roamed it off and have never seen his face. Then he began to speak of strange creatures of darkness, and the moon rose and shadows glided among the trees. He looked up at the moon. Haste, said he, we must reach our destination before the moon reaches her zenith. We hurried along the trail. They say, said I, that a werewolf haunts these woodlands. It might be, said he, and we argued much upon the subject. The old women say, said he, that if a werewolf is slain while a wolf, then he is slain. But if he is slain as a man, then his half-soul will haunt his slayer forever. But haste thee, the moon nears her zenith. We came into a small moonlit glade, and the stranger stopped. Let us pause a while, said he. Nay, let's be gone, I urged. I like not this place. He laughed without sound. Why? said he. This is a fair glade. As good as a banquet hall it is, and many times I have feasted here. Ha, ha, ha. Look ye, I shall show you a dance. And he began bounding here and there, 
Anon flinging back his head and laughing silently. Thought I, the man is mad. As he danced his weird dance, I looked about me. The trail went not on, but stopped in the glade. Come, said I, we must on. Do you not smell the rank, hairy scent that hovers above the glade? Wolves dan here. Perhaps they are about us and are gliding upon us even now. He dropped upon all fours, bounded higher than my head, and came toward me with a strange, slinking motion. That dance is called the Dance of the Wolf, said he, and my hair bristled. Keep off, I stepped back, and with a screech that set the echoes shuddering, he leaped for me, and though a sword swung at his belt, he did not draw it. My rapier was half out when he grasped my arm and flung me headlong. I dragged him with me, and we struck the ground together. Wrenching a hand free, I jerked off the mask. A shriek of horror broke from my lips. Beast eyes glittered beneath the mask. White fangs flashed in the moonlight. The face was that of a wolf. In an instant, those fangs were at my throat. Taloned hands tore the sword from my grasp. I beat at the horrible face with my clenched fists, but his jaws were fastened on my shoulders. His talons tore in my throat. Then I was on my back. The world was fading. Blindly, I struck out. My hand dropped, then closed automatically about the hilt of my dagger, which I had been unable to get at. I drew and stabbed. A terrible, half-bestial, bellowing screech. Then I reeled to my feet, free, and at my feet lay the werewolf. I stooped, raised the dagger, then paused, looked up. The moon hovered close to her zenith. If I slew the thing as a man, its frightful spirit would haunt me forever. I sat down waiting. The thing watched me with flaming wolf eyes. The long, wiry limbs seemed to shrink, to crook. Hair seemed to grow upon them. Fearing madness, I snatched up the thing's own sword and hacked it to pieces. Then I flung the sword away and fled. been listening to In the Forest of Villafair by Robert E. Howard, who once said, it's only the promise of death that makes life worth living. I've enjoyed being with you, but now I must go. I hope to return soon. Please be well, and thank you for listening to me. <music>